I saw this the other day on Facebook. Oh, backwards. Here we go. You are the gold to my coast, the Vegemite to my toast, the sea to the sand, the beer in my hand, the thong to my foot, the Rhonda to my katoot, <laughs> the kanga to my roo, the barbie, no, the ba yeah, the BB to my queue, the Y to my fire, the sauce on my pie, the harbour to my bridge, the lamingtons in my fridge, the heat to my rash, the grog to my stash, the holden to my ute, Australia, your butte. Happy Australia Day, everybody. Jump that one. Beautiful. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Simple song, but a fundamental truth, hey? Um, and this morning, I want to share with you what's been on my heart all week. There's been a scripture verse that's been going around and around and around and around. And Jesus said it. He said, unless a grain of wheat or a seed dies, it cannot really have life. And it's a, it's a biblical principle that we don't like talking about too much because it's, I guess it's the gospel in its rarest, um, you know, bare bones. It's the essentials of following Christ. And it's really saying that the Christian life is about death. And only when we experience death do we actually enter life. It's like it's all back to front, but it's not when you understand what Jesus is saying. So really for us, to enter into the abundant life of Jesus Christ, something has to die in us to experience the fullness of what God wants for us. And I want to share a little bit about that this morning. I'll just read you some scripture verses and then share a few things. Truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servants also will be. My Father will honour the ones who serve me. And then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone will see it and ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, 
but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom. Still another said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? And the imagery that Jesus is, is putting in there is really that if you decide to follow me, there's no turning back. You have to be willing to forsake everything. That means you have to be willing to forsake your family, be willing to forsake all your possessions, be willing to follow God. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. And what we've done with the gospel, I think, is that's the gospel in its rawest state. You have to be willing to surrender everything, to give up everything. If Jesus says go, we go. But what we've done is we've made the, con the gospel conditional and we've said, God, I'll go this far and there I'll be comfortable. But really that's not the gospel. That's not true surrender as, as Jesus was saying. it. And uh, this morning I want to look at that. So really death is life in Christianity and to live life is to be willing to die. One of the most fundamental truths of choosing to follow Jesus is reckoning your life to be dead and of no use to Jesus. I think what some people do when they come to Christ is they say, look, my, my life's not great, and if I could add this Christianity or this relationship with God onto the end of it and somehow have it as an add-on in my life, it would make my life complete or better. And somehow we've sold Christianity as a, well, you can have your life and you can add Jesus in and, and he'll help you here and he'll help you there and things will look better. But that's not the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is that Jesus says, your life is useless. I don't want Mark Wilson's life because Mark Wilson has nothing to offer God. None of us have anything to offer God. And the gospel in its purest form is saying, Lord, I recognize that I don't have anything of value in my life for you because I'm broken, I'm sinful, and I need to surrender my life and, and literally kill it. Literally recognize that Mark Wilson's life in God's hands is worth nothing. It needs to die. And when I'm willing to let my life die, I can pick up the life of Jesus and live his life out through me. You understand the principle? We don't teach that a lot because it's not very palatable, really, is it? To tell people that they've got nothing to offer God. Because we like to think that we're good. We like to think that somehow we're, we're a nice person, a good person. But entry into the kingdom of heaven is not about good works. No one can enter in on that basis. We've got to recognize that we've got to be like a, a kernel, a seed that's got to go into the ground and die. And only when it dies can it really germinate and have the life that Christ wants us to have. As for you, Mark Wilson, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. 
like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. What an incredible scripture. What a, what a fantastic truth that our life was worth nothing, but because of Christ in us, we have the hope of glory. But my life has to die. So God's transformation of our lives is not an extreme makeover. I think that's what people sometimes think, that God's going to come along and he's going to reshape my life and and mold my character. No, he's not going to do anything with your character or your personality or your situation. He's going to kill it. He's going to ask you to surrender it to be killed, to be put in a grave and left there and to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and to live in his power. See, my, my life has so many needs. I have so many inadequacies in my life. But, but if I kill that life, Mark's life, and pick up the life of Christ, then he, Jesus has all these needs met. He has a personality that's complete. He doesn't get uh, rejected by people and feel terrible. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get his nose out of joint. He's the perfect God-man. And when we clothe ourselves in Christ, when we get up every morning and I say, I'm not living for Mark today, I'm living for Jesus, I take up my cross and I follow him. I choose to die. Choose to die to my rights, my ambitions, my dreams, anything that I wanted to do in my own sinful, selfish way, God says, it's got to die. That's the only way to abundant life. It's, it's like an oxymoron, isn't it? It's like a back the front and upside down. But that's the kingdom of God. Unless we're willing to die, we'll never experience the true life of Jesus Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer Mark Wilson who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me and was seated at the right hand of Father and sent his Spirit so his Spirit could live in me. So the Spirit of Christ is where? Alive and active in me when I enthrone Jesus as Lord of my life. That's the gospel. The principle is living a daily exchanged life, death for life. Get up in the morning, first thing you say is, Lord, I'm not living for Mark today. I'm living for you and your kingdom. My life is dead. Lord, what do you want me to do with my life today? Oh, but Lord, first I have to go and bury my father. First I have to... uh, no. Following means a total surrender to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God of the, as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Here's where it gets tricky, because salvation is free. It's a free gift of God, but it actually costs you everything. And we've turned Christianity into a sales pitch, and we've we've tried to make it... um, user-friendly. We've tried to make it so that when we share it with our friends or, or unsaved people, 
we water it down a bit so it's a little bit easier for them to accept it. But in doing that, we do them a great injustice because we don't teach them the gospel of the kingdom. We teach them the gospel of salvation. Come to God and then you won't go to hell. Have a relationship with Jesus and and he'll give you that job and he'll fix that marriage. And he's not Santa Claus. He's God. And if God says, follow me, then you drop everything and follow, whether you like it or not. And the point is you won't like it because he said, take up your cross. He didn't say take up your picnic basket and come and have a good time. He said take up a cross. It means denying ourselves, denying our rights. You know, I had great plans for my life. I wanted to be a businessman. I wanted to make lots of money. I wanted to retire by the time I was 40. I wanted to drive nice cars and have lots of money in the bank. And God said, Mark, that's your plan, not my plan. I want you to be a person of great passion. I want you to be a person of great purpose. But I don't want you to make any plans because I know the plans, not you. You don't make your plans. And what scares me about modern Christianity is we're making so many plans that don't include surrender to God's will and purpose for our life. Oh, I think I might go on a holiday to Africa this year. Have you asked God if that's where he wants you to go? Oh, I might apply for that new job over there. Is that where God wants you to be? Because that's the principle of the gospel. You don't get a choice. You don't have a right. You surrendered those rights. You relinquished them. When we adopted Matthew, we stood in a court with a Fijian judge and a room of people, and the judge spoke to Matthew's mother and said, Joanna, you are giving your son to Mark and Cheryl. Do you understand what you're doing? You are relinquishing your rights to have anything to do with his life anymore. Do you understand what you're doing? My heart was gone. Because I I knew what it meant for that woman to have the courage to say, yes, I understand. It It was like being at the altar of God. It was one of those moments where you, it was so palatable what was happening in terms of a, of a decision. She had decided to make a decision and the consequences of that decision were monumental. And I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. Though none go with me, though your mates don't want to go, still I will follow. That's the principle we're talking about this morning. And I think it ties in a little bit with this. When I was going through Bible college, there was this great debate going on in the United States between a guy called John MacArthur. You've probably heard about him. Um, I think it was he was at Dallas Seminary. And there was another guy called Daryl Bock. And they're having this argument about whether you could come to Christ and have Jesus as your saviour or whether Jesus had to be your Lord and saviour. Meaning, could you come to Jesus and, and have a ho-hum relationship where your life's not totally surrendered or was the gospel really a a total absolute surrender and abandonment to god and these guys were toing and froing you know back through articles and stuff like that and and we had to do an assignment on it and and what i realized is that daryl bock was just trying not to be too hard-nosed with the gospel and john macarthur was a little bit more black and white saying no you need to surrender everything to god and I think they've both got it because it's it's a bit of a journey to get to that place, isn't it? For some of us, we had that revelation where we just we surrendered everything in that moment and knew that it was all for Jesus. But for some of us, that was a little bit more of a process where where, where we surrendered little bits of our life 
piece by piece and we finally got to a place where we really felt like, no, Lord, you're on the throne of my life here. You're holding the steering wheel now, not me. But the interesting thing is that when we come to Christ, he doesn't force us to come. He asks us to surrender. He asks us to follow. In other words, we have to make the conscious decision to surrender our lives, to, um, to get up on the altar as a living sacrifice and, and allow our lives to be killed. Like I'm all for lambnesia. I reckon Sam Kekovich has got it right. Oh, a good bit of lamb's great. But that little lamb, he doesn't get a choice when he gets his throat, throat slit and you know skewered and put on the rotisserie, does he? But that's the principle. That's the principle of being a living sacrifice, that you're aware of what is going to happen. You're aware of the cost that it's going to count for you, and yet you still say, yes, I'm willing. You willingly get up on that altar and put your life to God. You relinquish your rights. I really like the way that um, people tried to find really plausible excuses for Jesus, you know, put him, put him on the amber. Yeah, I'll follow, but I'll follow, but, and, and, and we've all been there. We've all been there. Lord, I'll go, but first. First, let me do this. First, let me do that. And, and it can't work that way. Every bit of our comfort, every bit of our security have to be relinquished at the cross. If we're going to do the gospel right, if we're going to follow Jesus, no turning back then it means we're willing to surrender everything that we have. That's, a, that's so easy to slip off the tongue and so hard to do as a life principle. But really, if we're going to do the gospel right, the way Jesus intended, then we've got to be willing to surrender everything. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to Jesus and knelt before him ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But at these words he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You and I are in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. That scares me. Because at what cost does materialism and wealth hamper us from really entering into the gospel as Jesus wanted it to be? Imagine, imagine a scenario where Jesus turned up at church today and he had like a little, um, just a little piece of paper that he hand gave to every one of us and he said, Darren, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Alan, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Peter, this is what you're supposed to be doing. I wonder if that piece of paper would marry what our lives are doing. 
pretty scary proposition, isn't it? But we should be able to answer yes. We should be able to say, yes, I'm doing what God wants me to do at the time he wants me to do it in the way that he wants me to do it. Because really that's, sur- that's living in, in, in surrender to God that, that we do the things that God wants us to do. There's no excuse. You cannot have an excuse. Lord, I remember being at the front of a church saying to God, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I will go anywhere except India. I refuse to go to India. I seriously had that conversation with God. I will go anywhere. And then in a twist of fate, God sent me to Fiji and half the population were Indian, unbeknownst to me. So I had to face my racism and God knew that for me to be fully surrendered to him, I had to confront my biggest fear in my life about being abandoned to God. Now, he got me in a tricky way. But isn't that the reality? You can't come conditionally to God and go, well, I will but, because that's not true surrender. There's no excuses. And just lastly, God's plan is personal and it's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. The Lord has a tailor-made plan uniquely designed for each of us to follow. I know the plans I have for you. Now that's so encouraging because you know that God's taken the time out to go, Nikki, Nikki, you're, you've got these gifts and you've got this personality and you're really great at this and I'm, I'm going to put you here and you're going to do this today and then you're going to do this tomorrow. And, and I mean, you can look at it and be fearful and go, but, but God, I don't want to do all those things. Or you can look at it from the other side and say, but isn't it a privilege and an honor that God would hand design the places and the people and the careers and the opportunities that God's got for you. I remember um, going to a seminar by a guy called Erwin McManus. You may have read some of his books. He's, uh, he's got a church in the States called um, Mosaic. It's quite a different church. And I remember him telling a story about being on a plane with his children and, and his daughter, who was 15, had been on her first mission trip with him. And she looked across in the plane and said, Dad, If God put me in the middle of a war zone and called me to go and be a missionary, would you let me go? Wow, where'd that come, question came from, he said. But as he mulled about it and thought about it, he said, it's not my choice. If God's called you to go, I'd have to let you go because you're only on loan to me and you've got to surrender to whatever he calls you to do. Following Jesus is not about personal happiness and security. If it was, the disciples would have been rich and prosperous. They would have had fancy homes. They would have been living the high life. It would have been great. Have you ever read what happened to the 12 apostles? Executed, beheaded, hung upside down. All sorts of stuff was done to them. You know, they died without anything in their pockets because they truly understood the gospel of Jesus Christ was total surrender. And I believe when God calls us to that life, it shouldn't be, Lord, I'll go reluctantly. It should be, Lord, I surrender all. I want to go. I want to be the one. I want to be willing. I want to be able to say, yes, Lord, I surrender all.
So we need to be a people of passion. I believe when I look around at all you guys and I get to talk to you and hear your hearts, you've got incredible passion. We've got some really strong personalities in this church and I love it because people are passionate. They, they believe strongly in the things that we should be doing as a church and the people that we should be reaching. And it's great to have that passion because without passion, what are we? We're really not very inspiring bunch of people, are we, if we're not passionate? And it's great when, you, when people come and they've got this real determined purpose about their life. I know what God wants me to do. I need to be here training to do this or doing that. But I really love it when people go, but I have no plan because I'm waiting for God to reveal what he wants me to do. I remember uh, at the last church that we were pastoring, we left and uh, there were two girls in the congregation that had a real heart to go on mission. They really wanted to go on mission. And uh, one of the leaders of the church rang me and said, oh, Mark, what do you reckon? Um, the leaders are really nervous because um, they don't have insurance cover and there's no adults going with them. They were 18. Um, you know, we're really nervous about putting them up the front and giving them our blessing because we can't control what's happening at the other end. You know, we don't know. We don't want to be irresponsible as a leadership and go, oh, but they might get shot or they might get kidnapped or whatever. And I said, Andrew, didn't you listen to anything that I taught you? What are you saying? You can't stand there as a leadership and a young girl saying, God's called me to go, and you're going to say, oh, but, or no. You don't have any right to do that. You get out the front and you anoint her and you appoint her and you send her out, endorse her to go, because that's God's call on her life, and you can't get in the way of that. Let her go. You're not responsible for the outcome. Jesus is. And if he wants to glorify himself by, by her life being surrendered in some way, then that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the only way that you can do it. You know, one of the saddest things that happened in my life was when I was going through Bible college, we had a, a maintenance business looking after high-rises um, on the Sunshine Coast. So my job, tough job. Clean the stairwell with a vacuum cleaner, mop the floor, mow the lawns, look after the gardens, vacuum the pool. It was a really tough life. And, uh, and part of my journey was God said, Mark, you've got to surrender that. You're going to go to college full time. You need to sell it to finance your way through college. And the guy that bought my business um, was a non-Christian guy called Trevor. He was about 10 years older than me back then. And... Uh, Boy, did he have every question imaginable about following Jesus. Because I had him captive for two weeks. You know, when you sell a business, they have to work with you for two weeks. And, you know, he had to follow me around everywhere. And every time we drove in the car, you know, I started this conversation on the Monday. By the Wednesday, he was asking the questions. By the Friday of the following week on the last day, I was sick of him. Because he had asked me every possible theological question that I'd ever had to answer before in my life. He wanted to know it all. But no matter what answer I gave him, he just couldn't quite get across the line. He just couldn't reconcile it in his heart. And it came to the end of the day where I handed over the keys and everything. And I said, Trevor, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose to gain everything but to forfeit your own soul? And he said, yeah, you're right. Let's do it. And we got down on our knees and we prayed. And uh, I rang him about three or four days later and I said, mate, how are you going? And he said, oh, 
He said, I went home and I sat down with my son who was 15 and I, and I, and I told him what I did. Shared with him that I gave my life to Jesus and that I was going to live for him. And, and he called me a DH. My 15-year-old son said, Dad, you're a... And off he went. And, and he said, I've decided because if it's going to upset my kids, I can't follow that road anymore. How tragic is that for someone to get, you know, a two-week intensive of the gospel of the kingdom and to say yes, and yet when, the count, when they had to count the cost, he was more fearful of what his 14-year-old son would, would think about him than he would following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Because there's no turning back. Even though nobody goes with you, even though God might, might ask you to do ridiculously you know, crazy things and surrender everything and go off to some strange nation, is, is that a punishment? No, that's a privilege. We need to turn it upside down and say, it's a privilege to surrender your life. It's an honour to come to Jesus and say, I surrender all. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning that, uh, like we have out the front here, you're, you're a God of invitation. Because you, you said, go out to the highways and byways and call them in. Bring them into the kingdom. Let them feast. And Lord, I thank you that so many here today have, have heard that call of God upon their life and they've come and they've surrendered all. And they've chosen to follow you to be a living sacrifice. And I thank you, God, when we do that, you, you integrate us into this incredible family of God, this, this master plan for this world. That, Lord, we may, may be just a, a little piece in the puzzle, but, boy, every one of us is incredibly important as we play our part, as we manifest the power and the gifts of God in our life and as we serve you in the way that you've ordained for us. And Lord, you're a God of impartation that you give us your power, you give us your very life being so that we can do it, so that we can live victoriously. You haven't set us up to fail. You've set us up to win. And I praise you, Father, that when we, we come in humility and we surrender our lives to you, that you never leave us or abandon us. You give us that Christ-like life, that hope within us to serve you all the days of our lives, to put our shoulder to the plow, as Jesus said, and don't look back. Lord, we want to be fit for the kingdom. Lord, sometimes we're not really willing to go, but Lord, I believe the prayer for us today is, Lord, Make me willing. Make me willing to be willing. Turn my heart around so that my heart is for the things of God and God alone. So that I can truly say I'm not like that rich young man who said, oh, I don't want to surrender my wealth or I don't want to be frightened of what my kids might say. No, there's no plausible excuses when you follow the King of Kings. When he calls you to follow, there's no turning back. And Lord, I pray today, I don't know where each and every one is. Maybe there's folk here today, Lord, who have never, ever had that moment in their life where they've said, Lord, I want to put you on the throne of my life. I want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to exalt you above everything else, Lord. Here's my life. I'm putting it on the altar for you. Lord, have your way. I wonder if that's you today. Have you had that God moment? where you've encountered that time of total abandonment and surrender. 
Well, maybe you've followed Jesus and you've got a bit wobbly. Got off the track. Got distracted. Lord, today, it's a great opportunity to come back and get your heart right. To determine that you've got a free will to choose which path you'll follow. And Lord, I pray today that by your spirit that you convict people to walk in in the truth of what you have for them. Totally committed, totally surrendered, heart abandoned, exalting you above everything else. Lord, that's my prayer for us as a church today, to come back to the heart of the gospel, to surrender everything to you. Lord, would you lead us this morning as we respond to you? Would you give us the courage to do what's right in your sight today, Lord? No turning back. No excuses. Even if we have to go it alone, Lord, make us willing to serve you. Thank you, Lord.